It's time once again for the Worship Ministry Catalyst Podcast. Worship Ministry Catalyst is a resource for all worship leaders and team members serving in the local church. So take a seat at the table and join the conversation as we discuss all things worship, from team dynamics to technology and song selection. And now it's time for the show. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 220 of the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. Um, Joe is not here today, so it's just me, and I have the privilege of uh, talking with Ian. We'll get into our background here in just a little bit, but uh, over the course of the pandemic, Joe and I started doing live streams on Facebook, talking about some of the challenges worship ministries have faced uh, during this time and are facing currently, like in uh, Washington State and, and some of the unique challenges we face here. Um, so we've been, we've been doing this. We, before that, the podcast was all audio. Now we're going live every other Monday. I think it's the first and third Mondays of each month. Joe and I go live here on the podcast. Joe can't make it today, but still wanted to get on here the last Monday before Christmas and, uh, and talk about some Christmas stuff and talk with our special guest, Ian. Uh, Ian is someone I've known for, uh, I guess, about 10, 12, 12, 13 years now, and uh, I've been able to watch him grow as a musician, although honestly, from the very beginning, the very first time he played, I knew he was better than me, so uh, there's there's never been much of a, uh, a, a competition when it comes to talent, so... Uh, but Ian, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you on here. Thanks for having me, David, and it's great to be here. Yeah, it's my my privilege. So um, let's see you. Where you're in Florida right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. How's how's life in Florida? Well, it's it's interesting to it's it, I'm technically in Florida, but it's Tallahassee, which it which everyone calls about five hours from everything. So <laughs> the experience is very different than other parts of Florida. It's uh, you know it, it's it's cold. I'm sure you could sympathize. It's getting into the fifties. Cold. Uh, <laughs> and uh, lows in the fifties. Uh, yeah, well, Lowe's probably closer, maybe in the 40s. It, uh, but, uh... <laughs> Burr. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Especially you being from Ohio, you're used to... You're used to, like, the 90s and total humidity. Yeah, that was 90. Uh, last summer, our family went back to Ohio in the summer to do a Christmas in July... And I think on the day that we we did our Christmas celebration, it was about ninety with about ninety percent humidity. So, yeah, it wasn't wasn't feeling real. The weather didn't really help us feel Christmassy. We didn't start a fire on that day. Yeah, well, it'd be kind of hard to start a fire with so much humidity. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's it, it's a. Uh, it's kind of quiet right now. A lot of people have gone home for uh, Christmas season. Uh, it still uh, pervades and just uh, trying to get stuff done. Um, got projects I'm working on and 
So life's I would say life's pretty good pretty good here, because um, especially considering what it could be like and how many people aren't able to work right now or don't have work. So yeah, so uh, so you've you've finished up your degrees there, right? You're all done. Yeah. So so what degrees do you have now? They're all in composition. I have my bachelor's in composition, my master's in composition theory is the technical term, and Florida, uh, all theory and composition degrees are considered the same. So my degree is a doctor, a doctor of music in composition and theory with an emphasis in composition. Okay. That's the full title of it. Yeah, and how old I, are I you? still continue to do a lot of piano. Yeah, <laughs> of course. How old are you? Uh, twenty-eight now. Yeah, yeah. So you've you've gone a long way in a very short amount of time, or at least a few, it, it seems short to me. Um, I still someday think about getting my master's, but uh, <laughs> the likelihood of that keeps going down and down and down the older I get. So. Well, you were the person that told me to get the school done before you started settling down. So, uh, yeah, once you have once you have family and you have a job and it get you know, it it doesn't get any easier to to put time in in on education. So, hopefully, that was good advice, not bad advice. <laughs> well, it, it timed out perfectly. Right when I had to settle down because of the pandemic was when I was graduating. So. Right. Oh, good. <laughs> So you got forced forced settling down then. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, so um, uh, there are a few things I think uh, might be interesting for for us to talk about today. For, we're going to spend most of our time on your Christmas album, which releases digitally tomorrow. Right? It's going to be available tomorrow. It's supposed to be. On uh, iTunes and Amazon and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much everywhere you can buy digital music. That's what that's what I'm told anyway. I it's being released to all those platforms. Good. Well, yeah. Uh, real quick note to anyone's watching: there's some flickering going on, uh, and that's I don't know what that is. That's something with my computer. So. Um, I apologize for that. Hopefully, if I, it's not too bad if I don't touch anything. So as long as I don't have to switch back and forth, well, I think it'll be all right. But um, so this Christmas album um, is—it's all piano, and it's all all stuff that you've arranged on the piano, right? That that you put together. Uh, would you tell us just a little bit, kind of the uh, of your process that you go through when you when you're working on taking a, a traditional a traditional song, a Christmas song that we all you know we've all sung a thousand times, and then uh, kind of giving new life to it. What is that? What's that process like for you? Well, I started doing a lot more improvising on hymns, uh, Christmas and the and other. When uh, you were back uh, at Gateway Church uh, years ago, when we were we first knew each other, and so you had me doing some preludes, and I continued to do preludes at other churches as I continued my college studies. So I developed a lot of 
just techniques of how to embellish hymns in that sort of way. But then this past uh, this past summer, when I wasn't working all the time, I had some time to learn a piece by list and he he wrote a lot of transcriptions and so i i learned a couple of those to uh, to have some more fun and just try some new techniques and these transcriptions are sort of that sort of uh, that improvisation but to a new level he takes something maybe you're familiar with say So he takes something familiar like that Mozart and makes it a little bit more difficult. It gets to about... And then you've probably heard... And he goes... So I thought, this next album, I should probably branch out of just improvising very easy listening and having some, uh, and, and instead challenging myself. So the the gift of Christmas, uh, the song you wrote and allowed me to arrange, I tried doing some of that. I added some licks at cadence points you know as as list this might go so list might do that so i did things with uh like that in I don't know if that's exactly what I did in the recording but something akin to that right. and so you I just thought I'd add some of those things uh, the other one that was I think really out there in terms of what I did was the 12 days of Christmas where uh, I think the coolest version is still the 12 days of Africa where someone quotes uh a different one to two different carols every verse and then there's a second part to that but i thought you know that arrangement's copyrighted what's the next <laughs> best thing to it well uh i can do sequences like i've got 12 different uh, there's 12 different keys there's 12 days of christmas and i can constantly do sequences so people feel like it's constantly rising or lowering so <laughs> Uh, my approach was systematic in those sort of ways, but often I aim for something 
something that gets a little technical gets more themed variations doesn't always approach list but he and he's probably the he and his arch nemesis of the day are some of the best transcribers i think if you want something that's just virtuosic crazy this shouldn't be done on the piano <laughs> and so i thought uh, I, I, I should spruce up my piano skills to be able to improvise like that. And then jazz artists, of course, do some incredible things in their improvisations, and I'm not a jazz pianist in that respect, but I thought maybe I could uh, make this album unique by bringing something similar by using my classical skills and my improvisational interests and combining that to make an album because there's a lot of jazz improvisation at the piano but to my knowledge there isn't a lot of piano classical piano right, improvisation yeah, yeah no uh, the, there yeah that's a really a really unique field uh, that I haven't heard it's kind of a new new one it's at least not there's not a whole lot of uh, popular classical improvisationist that I've heard of so I think you're definitely in and some unique territory I wonder I wonder how much um, how much creativity is is to is on the account of copyright infringement that uh, we've got there's a there's a song we would like to do but it's copywritten so we have to find a different way to do something we like that that song did that we can do w without infringing on the copyright. <laughs> yeah, um, I, there's a certainly a lot of that today. I think it's it's good. It's uh, it's it's certainly hard if we really like the song, but mm -hmm. I think it's also an important element of us being creative in finding what is public domain or what what do we like about it, but what is us? Because sometimes I think we can get handicapped by what people have already done and not explore more because part of the creative mind is discovering who God made us to be as, uh, as creators in his image of, as the master creator mm -hmm. of find uh, discovering new things we're not if we di if we didn't have copyright we wouldn't be challenged to discover in ourselves and outside of ourselves as much right yeah and that's you know glad to hear you say that you know we're we're made in the image of god and he's a creator so we're all we're all creators and that's one of the things that i often will tell people even people that'll tell that'll say to me i'm not i don't have a creative bone in my body i'll say no that's not true you've got <laughs> You're made, you're made in God's image, so there's something about you that's got a creative nature. It just may not be what you think create, uh, creative nature is, you know, music and the arts. Is, most people kind of constrict, constrict creativity to those fields, but there's so much creativity in all of life, and I think we've all got some form of creativity that God has given us. Uh, a little, little extra dose, maybe a little special uh, dose of creativity in some area of life, and uh, yours, you know, happens to be music. But there are other people watching that may have a a, a higher level of creativity with um, uh, woodworking or engineering or um, 
decorating or driving, you know, <laughs> there's all kinds of creativity out there. It's just uh, God has given us all that gift. So that's good. That's a, a good thing to point out. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you can play just a little, uh, a little bit of the 12 days of Christmas that you were talking about to give us a little bit of a feel for what you did there. Okay. Uh, I'm putting you on the spot, I know. Okay. Um, so, before we get into more, more of the Christmas music, I would like to I'd like to talk to you about uh, music uh, technology. Uh, I know you're really really adept at uh, at, at transcribing and uh, using <laughs> using the technology that's available. So, um, give the give the listeners some backstory here. When I there have been a couple times this year where I've needed a piano part, and you know I'm I've always I've always played by ear, never been excellent at sight reading piano music. Um, I I work at it, and I was working on this piece for Christmas that my dad had transcribed. Um, that my brother plays all the time, and these are, this is my 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 dad's copy. That he that he transcribed from uh, John Denver and the Muppets Christmas album, where Ralph and John Denver sing a duet on uh, "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas," and I was I was working on it, but with everything else, you know, we're doing we're doing this uh, Christmas audio drama here. We've talked about on the podcast uh, that Joe is actually going to be participating in. He's the main character, uh, and that's this coming Wednesday, like two days from today. And so, been working on that, and then our our worship band is also uh, put, doing a, a little Christmas album of songs that we've put together here this Christmas season. So I got to finish all of that, and all that has to be done by Wednesday. And so I was like, I'm do- I'm just not going to have time to to learn this song uh, do, and and do it any kind of justice. And so I asked Ian, Hey, could you just uh, throw something together? You know, listen. Here's the here's the music my dad wrote. Here's the recording. And uh, could you put something together for me? And about what two hours later, three hours later, he sends me um, he sends me a recording of it, and he says, "Yeah, um, I." And correct me if I'm wrong, but but you know, I listened to the recording and just you know, and played what I heard on the recording first, and then then you looked at my dad's music, and then you adjusted a couple of things, and you know, then and you, I don't know, was that was that the process that you did? Well, I looked at your dad's, uh, that's sort of the process. I looked at your dad's transcription. Um, I had that a while before you sent me the recording, so I was trying to make sense of of it. But once I heard the recording, I just started transcribing some of what I remembered seeing in what your dad had. But uh, this is something that I wish my oral skills students would hear because... You know, it, 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 with this flattened recording, it's kind of hard to distinguish between the voice and the instrument sometimes, especially, especially when you have, have a piano, piano that probably hasn't been tuned since 1850 or probably, something. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 
So there were some things that certainly sounded a little bit different than what your dad did, but I trusted my ear, trusted the recording. So about three hours later, I had all of it transcribed. And then I looked back at your dad's sheet and thought, well, I better test this out at the piano. And there were something, a few things that he did that were more correct than what I did. I still didn't go with it uh, wholesale, but I, it was very helpful to have that as a second witness to what was going on. And so, so I, I was glad to test. I'm glad I decided to test it at the piano. At the piano, there were a couple things I. I got wrong, but that is that. I think that's an important skill that is waning today. It is especially difficult with technology when um, when they're still improving uh, improving software that can delineate between different timbres like mm -hmm. that. Some of the most expensive software today still will will listen to recording and it, especially if it's more flattened they'll they'll note the pitches that they think they hear but it won't distinguish between the voice and the like and so it's it, it, it was it was a challenge but it, it's uh, that that's how I, I usually go through things like that I want to keep myself adept at that because I'm gonna need to do it again I'm sure right and that's what the, that's what I did when I was a kid to train myself to kind of hear things and and transcribe things uh, was just trial and error at the piano and with pencil and paper and so that's how I approached it uh, so kind of, that's kind of a lot the longer story but yeah I, I did both yeah I, I consulted your dad's uh, helpful sheet a few times but I it was mostly just playing segments of the recording. <laughs> Well, yeah, and uh, you know some advantages of of today. I remember my dad. I remember my dad doing that. You know, and he was so. This was a record, an actual LP that we had, and um, and he, you know, and he would play it, and he'd play a little bit, and you know what he what what he was certain of, he would write out. But then I also remember, you know, he'd run into the other room to the piano and you know, make sure he had the right notes and then go back and write things down and work a little bit more and a little bit more. And I don't know, it'd take him, it probably, you know, it took him uh, five or six hours, I don't know, maybe a little bit longer than that to, to do something like that. But today we've got, we've got technology, but like you said, there's still not really great technology that can take a recording and just pump out really accurate sheet music for it. So, um, but it's still, it's a good ear training exercise, if nothing else, to to sit down and do that. But so you take your, you take it, and then I'm guessing you use your keyboard that's probably connected to your computer by MIDI, and you're using, uh, using that and Finale. You said uh, to do your transcription. Mm -hmm. I used my keyboard on the last project I did for you, but this one with all the rubato and just the just some of the large chords and everything at the length of it, I just decided, you know, this is probably going to be a lot easier just to input into Finale directly and then export it from there because there's a lot of things that Finale would misunderstand from that that I could have 
much more easily. Just uh, I probably would have had to go through and edit all the notes anyway, so I just decided why not just put them all in there. Right. Yeah. So, but that's that's also I think a uh, a bit of a missing skill in a lot of uh, church music today. You know, we and and I'm I'm the I'm the case in point. Uh, we we play by ear. We we aren't uh, you know we aren't trained musicians for the most part. A lot of a lot of church musicians um, they do they do well, but a lot of it is um, you know the only the only time they play music or do anything musically is at the practice for uh, for the service and then at the service uh, whatever those are. There's not a, there aren't uh, tons and tons of musicians in churches anymore. That are really working on becoming excellent musicians. It's it's kind of uh, we've kind of s- switched everything where uh, we put because church is so desperate to get musicians and they need musicians to you know to put together bands and those kinds of things. We we tend to put people up in front you know to lead worship before before they're probably ready to lead worship before their you know their skill level is there and and as a result of that then. We kind of we kind of take the carrot away a little bit from younger musicians uh, because they don't they don't have to work themselves you know they don't, they don't have to practice and shoot and aspire for anything to you know to become to get to a certain level a certain skill level before they're uh, up on stage in front of people we just kind of we put them up there as, as quick as they can as quick as they can hold their hold their part you know sing their part or play their part or, or do whatever it is and. I think part of that is is probably why uh, there there isn't a great there aren't very many churches that I know of anymore that have really great robust music programs. I know in some of the bigger cities there are, but just in general, we've 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 kind of we've done away with most of the challenging music and are and are just doing the the contemporary modern modern music that uh, that everyone listens to on the radio. Well, I think that's certainly a side of it. Having been involved in both contemporary and traditional services, I think that the uh, traditional services, um, those positions tend to be filled by more um, more university-trained pianists and other musicians. And I think there's also something on the other side to be said about people who play by ear because we can't, we're, we're in a literate culture and we take that for granted. But you even go 500 years ago, you've, unless you were uh, a monk or a nun or something in many European cities, you probably were not literate. And that didn't mean that you didn't know as much. It meant that anything you needed to know was by rote. And so th- that skill is certainly something that is uh, that is not to be frowned upon. I think the, uh, the sad thing is when churches, no matter what style they want to do, that the, the talent uh, or the effect is more important than the... Uh, the faith and sanctification of the person. I think that church. I think that the church could be uh, could find a lot of uh, could could develop a, a lot of their talents from people who maybe are more promising, but 
uh, but don't yet show that. And I know that's something you did with me, where I was very classical, but you t you taught me to. You were one of the people that t ha actually gave me the hands-on experience improvising, and so I think that uh, finding someone who may not have the the skills yet, but have the interests and the attitude of a Christ-like musician. Those are the people that need to be cultivated more, um, especially as the church um, faces more challenges. We want to, we have to really consider who we are and what the church is. And uh, music made by believers, no matter their skill level, I think is more important than music uh, Music that has uh, has a, a certain fits a certain expectation. So I think there's both sides to mm -hmm. it. But I I think that uh, music that people should always strive to be the best at what they what they're called to do. Whether that be leading music by rote, leading it through a traditional notation. But uh, I think that it's more important that we fulfill our callings and. I just know where I am right now is partly because of the pandemic, but God's called me to do all sorts of musical things, but it's sometimes unclear. Is that currently going to be in teaching and or piano, performing, recording, composing, analyzing music? It's It seems like it could be all of the above, but I just want to keep up on all of those because... That, that that envelops what God has given me to do. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think you're I think you're doing a great job of being a good steward of the talents God has given you. Um, you know, I'm I'm really really impressed and proud of of all that you've all the work you put in and how serious you've taken the calling. Um, and yeah, and I I agree. I, yeah, I think I don't want to I don't want to put I don't want to put musicians down for. Uh, for not being classically trained, that, that's not my intent. But I, I, just, I, I think, you know, some of my some of my concerns, some of my th thought is um, basically what you were saying. You know, you know, with choirs, you know, back when we had choir uh, and uh, as a regular part of a, of a church worship service, um, and you know. Our, our small churches in Ohio, that was about that was about the extent of it. But I do remember my dad working to teach music to the to the people in the choir. So there was kind of a constant, you know, a constant improvement in people's skill because you're just you know slowly working at learning learning more and more music. Um, and but you know, in some of the bigger churches, you know, especially some of the higher the high church churches, there was there was you know almost a graded music program in the churches that took kids from very young age through a you know a structured music music course in the church not you know you know separate from the schools in the church so it, you know you you have choirs you have you know children's choirs youth choirs and then they're, you're preparing them for the adult choir and you had the same thing with in a lot of churches with uh, with orchestras you have a youth orchestra or a youth you know symphony or whatever they had there um, and just and you're just kind of constantly training them up using using their using the music of the church to give them that and so it was just it was kind of this constant um, mentoring program that would that would that would raise students up and, and uh, give them the skills they needed and at, and at the same time um, 
when you when you kind of have a have a have a flow like that in the, in a church where you're regularly bringing a lot of musicians through you have the ability then to not just pick people out of need but based on character like you were saying like if if, if you have 10 musicians and and they're all kind of about the same skill level you can choose well we're going to we're going to give this one an opportunity because they have they're humble they have the right attitude as opposed to well here's this one they're not very they're not very humble they got a really great voice um so uh, i guess we'll put them out in front and give them <laughs> give them the spotlight and it'll probably be uh destructive <laughs> it'll be it'll be a, a negative a negative thing for them in the end because they're getting attention before they're uh they've got the foundation to deal with the attention I don't know well, I think sense. I think this also just has to do with uh, making disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, musicians, if they're talented, sometimes are, or especially if they're self-contracted or something, that there isn't a high expectation for involvement. They're under-discipled or under-witnessed to. Um, sometimes the this could lead into music as well with people who have a, a really good heart for worship. Um, they're under-discipled and under-cultivated. So we need to remember that uh, we need to remember that our responsibility goes far beyond going on streets and preaching. Our responsibility goes far beyond making sure people say a sinner's prayer or something. Our responsibility is to keep people accountable um, to whatever they have committed to do. And so that has both a spiritual and a vocational component. Yeah. So uh, changing gears here a little bit, what is it? What is it like being? What has it been like being a a musician? You know, just finishing up your your doctorate, trying to get a getting a job uh, in in a pandemic when a lot of schools are online and 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 letting probably some schools letting professors go or letting adjunct professors go and that kind of thing uh how's what's that been like for you well it's certainly been discouraging in some ways but the other side of it is we it it, i i I can't stay in that bubble because there are people all over the board facing similar uh problems and the amazing thing though about music in general and specifically doing these things is music and the interest to be creative isn't going away and people are still interested in the human aspect of things Uh, the reason why records and i think even cassette tapes are starting to come back is because people like the imperfections found in those kinds of things and while streaming is certainly not going anywhere, people are interested. There's an audience for the human aspect of human interaction. And I think that uh, whether college stays the way it's been for my generation, the previous generations, where it's become increasingly important for a doctorate, whether that comes or goes, changes, people are going to still want to learn. People do want to learn in person. Gen Z is saying that. And so it's really opened my eyes to what's going on way outside of the academic field that I've pursued so closely. And I think that's really important. And I think it's 
I wrote an article about this five or so years ago, not not published in a super big journal, but it was published, and it just deals with the business with composers. And I just talked about how composition had become a major, but in my experience and the experience of many other composers, you don't go to school, get a degree, and always get a job. There's a lot of entrepreneurial expectations that you need to figure out. And so I think this has been a great opportunity for me to really hone that entrepreneurial aspect because I think uh, so many people in college miss that. I was I was taught a lot of things in college that I that were outside of my degree plan. I never had to take a class on self promotion though, and even though I supposedly had to take a class on working on CVs and the like, uh, it wasn't uh, that helpful. Most of that was things that I just dis discovered through just talking to my mentors. And so uh, so I, I think it's an experience that I wouldn't, tr uh, I wouldn't trade for, for too much, other than maybe all the job applications I've had to send out. But other than that, uh, well, even that's been sort of a mixed blessing in that uh, I've kind of memorized uh, the, the formula for um, for all of these things. Right. <laughs> so it, it takes me, a, if I have to apply for something, it takes me like a day rather than, oh, two weeks. Right. So. You know, it's interesting uh, what you were saying. Um, I've been I've been talking with uh, one of the musicians here at church. You know, I I grew up listening to bluegrass. I didn't care for it a lot growing up. Although there once or twice a year that there maybe be a, a really good group that would come to our church and it'd be a lot of fun to listen to, especially with somebody that could really play the banjo or you know something that was that would make it really enjoyable. Um, but lately, I, I keep finding myself. I guess there I guess there's a term for it. They're calling it new grass. But um, I find I, I just I find myself drawn more and more to that. And part of why I'm drawn to it. Is because it's not produced. It's not an. It's like an. It's not an overly produced sound. In fact, it's often the opposite. There's almost no production to it, at all. It's. It's just. It's usually just a group of you know five, six, maybe seven musicians, who are really talented, and and they all like they all know their instrument really well, and they all play in the group really well. There, there's no. There are no tricks, right? There, there are no production production tricks that they're using where they're stacking tracks to try to get this big sound, or where they're duplicating things and shifting them off by a millisecond to make them sound, you know, bigger or richer or whatever. You know, it's just it's it's just you know musicians that are playing. And I think what you were saying, you know, the the imperfections. There are always imperfections in those play in those uh, recordings. You you can hear people make mistakes and. And, but and but it's not a big deal because you can look at them play and you know they're really talented and and it's not like, like they're, they're struggling, struggling as a musician they're just they're you know sometimes when you're playing you make a mistake and that and you just that's how it is right but even the digital the, the whole way digital music and digital anything is made is it's it, it is finite usually at a point that we can't perceive mm -hmm. but digital music is numbers, concrete numbers determining what we hear, whereas a record or even a tape, it's continuous. Mm -hmm. The sound is not chopped up. And I think that has 
certainly some drawbacks, uh, especially since the quality of a record doesn't go as high as even an MP3 does. But I think we like that as well because we live in a world where what we hear is not always perfect. Mm-hmm. We hear things that uh, we hear, we see things that aren't perfect, and uh, that's one of the biggest. Um, the biggest things that I think artificial intelligence misses is the humanness of things. It, 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 it can win a chess game no problem because it can, it can calculate all these things, but it approaches everything from a very logical perspective rather than from an emotional uh, an emotional, even human rationalist perspective and it's in some ways kind of a it's it's kind of a fulfillment of a modernist rather than a postmodernist kind of ideal that everything progresses to perfection whereas we're trying to we're we're still having to make sense of imperfection and so i think that whether a person whether someone plays something perfectly or not, or edit it, edit it, ed- edits it to make it sound perfect, there's something about the sounds and the the, uh, the uh, it's certainly the case at least with a banjo versus a digitized banjo. When it's a digital recording, all the imp- you lose all the imperfections. Mm-hmm. So some of this, uh, so the science is. I'm getting now on to all this science, but I think that I think that we are really attracted to things that just aren't perfect. We're attracted to authenticity. Yeah, authenticity. You know, aesthetics. We aesthetics, all of that. It's uh, we 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 want to have some flexibility. And experience and be and, and feel like feel like we can we could be in the same room as these people. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. well, that's yeah. I on our our church's Christmas thing we're doing Christmas album we're doing this year. Um, you've done probably a fair amount of recording, so you're used to this. But you know when you when you record. Especially when you're first starting starting recording, if you haven't done much of it, you know part of the process is listening to yourself, <laughs> and and you know so you like uh, just had someone in here this morning, and and you're you know you're playing it you know trying to get parts of it, and you're playing it back, and you know and listening to it again, and oftentimes you get comments, you know, oh, that's you know, sound horrible, that's awful, you know, then but then you get really nit, everyone can get really nitpicky about their parts, and well, I messed you know I missed that messed that up, or I didn't quite get that like I wanted it to, and and there's this real strong temptation to to want to you know kind of work at it and work at it and work at it until you get it perfect, and I've I've said several times we're not go we're not trying to make perfection we're not trying to do a perfect recording here we i want it to be good i want it to be excellent as excellent as we can make it but at the same time i want it to be real i want it to be true to who we are as a as a group as a church you know i don't want to necessarily create a uh, a product that we're going to give out to people on christmas eve that is uh um um uh, dissonant with you know, who we are as who we are as a body right i mean 
we could produce you know a really good high quality album but then that's not what we're what we do on a sunday that you know we're 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 raw authentic real musicians and there are mistakes and sometimes we miss our cue to come in and sometimes we we play the wrong chord sometimes we start in the wrong key you know all kinds of things like that and so i don't you know i don't think there's i don't think it's i don't think it um is i don't know i don't think it's beneficial to try to present yourself as as perfect or great you know if if that's not you know authentically who you are i think it's it's a little bit deceptive mm-hmm. i mean it's of course depends on the audience somewhat but you bring up a great point there's a difference between excellency and perfection and the and there's there, there are albums specifically devoted to things like that you've got albums even from the 30s where they would took it to do a million takes so the piece would sound perfect more or less but then you also have live concerts and albums of live concerts and the funny thing is when i listen to even someone like long long or something on a live concert there are way more mistakes than that i hear on his solo albums right. studio albums yeah. and so I like that because when I heard stuff like that, it just encouraged me. My goal on the piano isn't to be wooden and perfect. My goal is to enjoy the music and always strive to be better. But that's the story that an album, the experience that could come out of an album can say. This is who I am. This is what I do. Not this is, this is what it was supposed to be. This is the... This is the utopian sound that I want you to hear. Yeah, a computer could do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, well, let's spend our last few minutes uh, going back to your Christmas album. It, what's the title of it? It's "Good Tidings in COVID." Good Tidings in COVID by Ian Guthrie, and that'll be available tomorrow on iTunes and Amazon and Google. I don't even. I don't know what Google's music. I think I. I I was looking on there earlier. I was trying to. There used to be something called Google Music, but when you go there now, they try to just send you to YouTube Music, and it's harder to buy music from. I don't know, but so mm-hmm. iTunes, Amazon, you can buy the album. So here's what I recommend. I, I recommend this for all your independent artists. Every independent artist that you support is, uh, and I think it, it's it's probably going to be streaming on Spotify, right? I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, uh, Again, these are things that I you know, the, this is, this is through a vendor who disseminates it to right. all of these, and every uh, every platform does it in their own way. But yeah, I'm supposed to, and I'm I, it's supposed to be tomorrow that it's released. So so here's what I recommend: buy the album, which you can either you can do right now from from Ian's website, ianguthriecomposer.com/store. Or if you if you would prefer buy it tomorrow on iTunes and then uh, after you buy it stream it on Spotify. So so that's that's what you should do for every independent artist that you support. You you buy the album if you can if you can buy the album buy it from the artist website because that's the way they make the most money. They lose money when you go through a you know third party like iTunes or Amazon. But if you don't buy it there, then buy it from iTunes and Amazon and then stream the album. Over and over, just put it on overnight and just let it play on loop while you sleep. That's good. That's good work for uh, good. That's a good way you can contribute to, uh, to to an artist. And Spotify, we all know Spotify doesn't need the money. Um, 
there was uh, I was doing I was looking it up. There's some articles online where you can look and see um, how many how many spins they call it. How many spins it would take for an artist to make uh, the same uh, the same amount of money as one of the Spotify employees makes. And it's something like eight million, like eight million, or might even be more than that. It might be eighty million. I can't remember something like that to be able. If you'd have to get eight million plays to be able to make the same amount of income that they make at Spotify. So, um, so play it, you know, play it as much as you can and, and support Ian in that way. But maybe you can uh, play another uh, another selection for us here as we start to wrap things up. Okay. What? Um, I guess I. You choose. Okay. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows. Everyone knows We Three Kings, but not everyone do- is aware that these kings were actually Persian. Uh, they were Persian, Persian uh, magi or astrologers, and... I was a little bit tongue in cheek in that with that in my arrangement, and that uh, so uh, the Persians at this time they may have been familiar with the ancient prophecy by Balaam, where he or Balaam, where he said that a star would rise out of Jacob, a scepter out of Israel, and so that star is the star they followed, whether that's directly what influenced them or not. It probably is, most scholars would say. Another thing, though, is Zoroastrianism, a lesser-known religion that has some interesting connections and may have been influenced by Judaism when it was in Persia. Um, Hard to say, but there are certainly some connections between that and what Christianity ended up being. Uh, But uh, I throw in, you know... uh, We know that we know that sometimes we paint Christmas as this thing that's very, uh, very clean and clean major and all of that. But we, but we know that there's a lot of things that are not that appreciated or respectful about Christmas in the sense that the major was a feeding trough. The first people to see Jesus, besides uh, Mary and Joseph, were uh, animals. Shepherds. Uh, shepherds were the vagabond, your, your self-employed vagabonds of the day. Mm-hmm. And then two, the, the next the, Thing we read about is uh, the three astrologers, the three wise men, or the, th- the gifts from the wise men. That we don't know how many there were. Uh, they they visit. They're not Jewish. They're probably Zoroastrian. They're probably astrologers. 
and then because because Herod wants to worship him they're informed to go another way and we find children slaughtered it's not your it's it's not the everyone's favorite christmas story but i wanted to sort of get at that as well that's the and even the history of christmas i won't get into that but i, I essentially merge those two uh those two pieces and even though yeah um nietzsche wrote also sprach zarathustra uh, he is affir he is in that article affirming Zarathustra believed this, and I think not that different from what Zarathustra believed is what the the wise men believed. And did they did they go back becoming pre cross Christians? I don't know, but they were certainly. The f some of the first the, they were the first people the some of the only people of that stature and culture to ever recognize Jesus for the king that he was we don't see that in the Jewish Pharisees unfortunately many of them and we don't see that even in the we, we don't even see that in a lot of uh, ch churches today the same zeal and recognition mm -hmm. so there's a I, I think that one's a unique one on the album simply because of that story um, right so that's number number eight on your album right Zor Zoroastrians meet meet the Christ mm -hmm. uh, you also do I saw three ships I really enjoyed that one um, <laughs> and then let's see let's do uh, on Jordan's banks you had mentioned wanting to do a little bit of that. Oh, yeah. go on for what eight or so minutes in that so yeah <laughs> well uh ian i don't know if you have any final words to uh to leave with us as we wrap things up i i would just like to say you know, i've really appreciated the opportunity to use your song among other things on the album and i want people to be aware you know it, it was intentionally and i think very appropriately that the gift of christmas is on this album because we're in a year where christmas even in more open places like florida is not the same mm -hmm. and we feel sometimes trapped and 
this, this might sound cliche from the Grinch who stole Christmas, but Christmas is so much more than just pre, um, presents and bows. If you're up north, wishes for snow, mm-hmm. gifts. Uh, you know, the, the, the greatest gift is that God became a man so that we might become like God. Uh, he experienced everything we did, and so we're celebrating the the fact that we can't God wants to have a relationship with with us he came down this way to represent that and um, you know the we can have that relationship forever and he and he loves every one of us and that's something that sick, neither sickness nor death nor height or valley can ever separate us from that and I don't know what it, it's like for the the people who aren't connected to God either now or in eternity but God honors that and uh, he, he he just I believe it that it's it's uh, not promising I think that this is a season though to remember that why we celebrate the birth is not because of what what we what we have to give people or what people ought to give us and not what we receive but um, anything uh, anything but the the gift of what Jesus gave and that this of course leads to his crucifixion and resurrection uh, another thing we often forget that especially in the West that the resurrection is what makes all of this worth it the fact that he is redeemed what the the body could be mm-hmm. i think it's very important that we focus uh we take a step back and ask ourselves what's christmas going what what does christmas mean for us this year does it do we really have a leg to stand on i know for me it's going to be different than in years past i have i i, I won't be able to visit with my family which is going to be hard but at the same time, it's often in our isolation and in our uh, in our deep thinking that we discover what God is trying to tell us, and we and through His Word, and His Word mentions nothing about celebrating things and putting gifts and the like first. It's always celebrating very spiritual things, very religious things, things that the world can't always appreciate but it's something that we celebrate for its intrinsic sake and it's important that we don't forget about that that's what i would share for everyone i think more important than even an album as much as uh as as much as independent artists are uh struggling especially now um, the most important thing is that people are celebrating uh, celebrating something authentic, something intrinsic, not something that's based on uh, comparisons or valuations. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's about all the time we have. Uh, episode 220 with uh, Ian Guthrie. So you can check him out at ianguthriecomposer.com and his store is ianguthriecomposer.com slash store. I-A-N-G-U-T-H-R-I-E, not Y, um, G-U-T-H-R-I-E, composer.com. 
And of course, look for his album to uh, to land on Spotify and iTunes and Amazon and all of those places tomorrow, uh, December 22nd. So you still have several days before Christmas to to get the album and to listen to the album and uh, use it for your for your Christmas celebration. Put it on during your Christmas dinner or or whatever it is that you're doing, and uh, just just uh, enjoy the music and Ian's incredible talent. So. Thank you so much, Ian, for being here with us today. It's been great talking about all of that. Everyone else, uh, Joe and I are going to be doing our uh, audio drama this Wednesday at 6 o'clock Pacific time. And that will be available on uh, our, our, our church page, facebook.com slash 68church, all spelled out, 68church. And uh, you, can, you can watch that live. You can participate live. There's going to be a fair amount of audience interaction. But Joe and I will be playing parts in that audio drama. So if you want to go check that out, that'll be this Wednesday, December 23rd, the night before Christmas Eve, uh, that we do our Christmas Eve service. And you're more than welcome to go over there and watch that and participate uh, in that as well. And we're going to do a lot of the traditional Christmas Eve service stuff, but just in a, wrapped in an audio drama in a little bit different format than, than usual. But outside of that, a lot of you are working on your Christmas Eve services. Have a great week as you prepare for all of that. And like Ian said, don't, don't forget uh, that even though there's a, a lot of crazy things happening this year and a lot of things that are outside the ordinary, uh, we still get to celebrate the fact that God became a man. Uh, he dwelt. He lived and tabernacled among us. He put himself in the human flesh and dwelt among us. He experienced what we experienced. He lived the life we should have lived, died the death we deserve to die, and then rose from the dead, conquering death, hell, and the grave, ascended to the right hand of the Father, sent the Holy Spirit, started the church, and now we get to participate in the living body of Christ right now, 2,000 years later. So it's a great time to celebrate. It's a great time to worship. And no matter how stressful things may get, we still have a lot to celebrate this Christmas season. So have a great Christmas, and we'll see you next time here on the Worship Ministry Catalyst Podcast. Take care. Thanks for joining us once again on the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. And make sure to add your voice to the conversation. You can find us at twitter.com slash WM Catalyst. On Facebook at facebook.com slash Worship Ministry Catalyst. Or head over to worshipministrycatalyst.com and drop us a note. 